everyone, this is Daphne. This time on School Year, Clint and Chad break bad excuses, March Madness style, share ideas to help avoid teacher burnout, and talk about the great things happening in their lives in Dad Chat. Okay, enjoy the episode. Hey everyone, this is Chad, recording about a mile from Lewis and Clark's 1806 winter camp here in Astoria, Oregon. And I'm Clint in Roanoke, Virginia, where we lost the Civil War. And honestly, I'm glad about that. And welcome to School Yet, the podcast where two middle-aged teachers, dads, and hipster doofuses talk across the country about their combined 30-plus years of education experiences. And anything else we can come up with. Like, if you aren't supposed to wear white after Labor Day, then when can you start wearing white again? That's a good question. But our goal <laughs> is to make a podcast that teachers... And anyone else. Tell your friends. ...find as fun and interesting as the teacher's lounge during lunch. But without the complaining. Actually, if you listen to our last episode, we pretty much complained the whole time. Right you are, Chad, which we actually plan to rectify later in this show. Good, because all that negativity gave me some kind of weird rash. Um, okay. Too much info, Chad. <laughs> Sorry. All right, uh, change the subject. Clint, it is March, and you know what that means. Oh, yeah. The primrose and tulips and lilacs are finally starting to blossom. Yeah, th th there's that. But I was thinking more along the lines of the greatest few weeks of the year for college basketball fans. March Madness. Oh, yeah. Well, duh. That's obvious. And even if you're not a basketball fan, the idea of a bracket-style single elimination tournament, it's pretty fun. So for our first segment today... We're going to pit eight classic excuses for not doing homework, honoring the worst excuse as the winner until we get a champion. Chad has come up with the eight excuses and built the bracket, and I'll be the one deciding which excuse is crappiest and which one gets to move on to the next round. We're calling it the BS bracket. <laughs> Let's get this thing started. So I have seeded these excuses just like you would in a tournament with what I felt was the worst being a one seed, working all the way back to what might be considered a pretty decent excuse, which would be the eight seed. Does that make sense? That makes sense. Here we go. In our first round, the number eight seed, my grandpa died, versus the number one seed, I didn't know we had any homework. I guess my, my argument for Grandpa Died being a worse one is if you've heard it more than twice Ooh. from the same people. <laughs> I mean, I, people can have more than one, like step-grandpa and those kinds of things, I suppose. But that one can get dicey. But on its face, I'm going to go with seed. No upset here. Didn't know we had any is going to win that one because that just means that that kid was not paying attention. It's almost not even an excuse. Moving on, we have the number seven seed. I had a babysit my sibling against the number two seed. I had a sport or other school-related event last night. You know, the sport or school-related event, I think that there's often times when people get home late. I think that's actually a pretty good excuse. Had to babysit a sibling. How hard is that? You turn on the TV. I'm going I'm going with had to babysit sibling. Is the, okay, that's the we one. have an upset here. Yeah, that's the okay, one the seven moves that on. is worse. All right, here we go. Moving on, still in the first round. We have the number six seed. I left my book or binder or work in my locker last night, so I couldn't do it at home because it was here at school. Versus technology trouble, Wi-Fi, printer broke, those kind of things. I do often, I think I even have in my syllabus that your technology problems are your problem, Ooh. which is really mean. Left my book or binder in my locker, though. Like what teacher still leaves or still gives people books and textbooks and things? <laughs> 
I, I don't know. There's so many resources online. I think technology issues, that's a that's a more legit problem for today's 21st century homework getter. If you're still working on paper, maybe that's more of your problem. I, I don't I don't I don't buy that one. Left a book or binder <laughs> in my locker. All right. I don't think so. I love it. I don't think so. But, uh, nice try, pal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who uses a locker? You put it all in your backpack, you big Idiot. baby. Our last first round matchup is a five versus a four. The five, and I had to put these together here because I've heard both. My sibling and or an animal destroyed, ate, peed on, whatever you want to, whatever you want to call it destroyed my homework versus I traveled over the weekend. I had to go to grandpa's or I had to go to my aunt's who lived three hours away. Yeah. Those are both some dumb excuses. But I do think that if you travel to grandma's house, sometimes grandma doesn't have good internet. And a lot of your homework is, again, going to probably use some technology. I think I think traveling, like most people don't have unlimited data, so it's hard to do things in the car that has to be done with technology. I don't know too many people who have their siblings or animals like people don't leave stuff lying around for those things to actually get it. I think that's such an old school excuse. Uh, but it's right. a but my it, dog ate my homework. Yeah, it's a bad one, and it's and it's winning. All right. it, it won. All right, so we are on to the final four. Okay, so here we go. We have didn't know we had any versus left my book or binder at school. Didn't know we had any. I think is genuinely true. Like I think the kid really probably <laughs> doesn't know. And they're they're just telling the truth. Like I didn't know, I wasn't paying attention. And I can kind of respect a kid that'll tell you the truth. Left book binder. I'm still saying left book binder. Ooh, wow. Leaving your work in your like locker. It. That's a that's a lie. That's a lie. You don't have a locker. <laughs> you don't even have a locker. You don't have a locker. It's a lie. All right. Second matchup in the final four. We have that my sibling or animal destroyed it versus I had a babysit. Okay, so it's sibling versus sibling here. Yeah. Okay. I think it's a worse. I think it's a worse excuse that your kid, brother, or your dog ate your home. Like my dog ate my homework. Really. Really? That's the excuse? I don't think so. so. Honestly, I mean, has someone said that to you before? No. I've heard that my brother scribbled on this, but they still had uh-huh. the thing to turn in. I've never had anybody be like, oh, no, they ripped it up into a million pieces. I had a student, it was actually just last year, who had a puppy, and they actually brought the homework because they, they saw the irony in the joke, and they actually brought their homework, and the dog had actually eaten the homework, which is pretty funny. Okay, um, but still, I yeah. stand by it that that's a bad yes, excuse I because agree. they at least produced the the evidence. The sibling animal destroyed it is a worse excuse. That's okay. the winner. All right, here we go. We are in the finale. The final two worst excuses. Ah, I just left my work at school in my locker. Or my sibling or animal destroyed my homework. What is the worst excuse? So it's cliche versus cliche here. We've got yep. classic matchup. Left it behind in an antiquated system that no one uses anymore. <laughs> versus I can't control my brother, sister, or my dog. I'm going to go with what's provable. So if the sibling or animal destroyed it, you would have some evidence. And most of the time, people aren't going to do it without evidence. They're not going to say that that's a thing that happened without, like, going, look, I took a picture of it. It's wrecked. Or here's the shreds of paper. I tried to do it, but I couldn't. I mean, at least then they're putting some effort in if it was faked. But complaining and saying that you left your book or your homework behind is such a lazy excuse because there's no way to prove that. There's no way that you can ever, like, right. see, look, this is – I couldn't do it. And they've got all sorts of ways to Snapchat their homework to each other. They could take care of it if they really wanted to. It's going to be the locker. The lying locker excuse is the 
biggest loser in this bracket. Oh my goodness, this is a huge upset. Started out as the sixth seed, works all the way through the tournament. Cinderella story, left my work at school, wins the tournament. Nicely done. Did I pick the wrong winner? Do you have some better horrible excuses you want to share? Shoot us an email at schooljapodcast.com or post it on our Facebook page at schooljapod. And now let's take a well-deserved break. Well, it's already March, which means we're getting closer and closer to the end of the school year. And while that's exciting for most of us teachers, if you work in a high school, that also means you're battling the highly contagious disease that ravages every 12th grader in the country this time of year, senioritis. We've all witnessed the horrific ailment turn our once lovely juniors into monsters, and until just a few years ago, it was assumed that there was no cure. But after years of research, the people at Pfizer have found a vaccine to senioritis, Graduzine, the first FDA-approved medication to eliminate or greatly reduce the effects of senioritis. Just two doses of Graduzine slipped into any 32-ounce energy drink or $6 iced coffee has been clinically proven to help reduce the following ailments. Arrogance, poor time management, lack of urgency for college applications and scholarship completions, general disrespect towards others, particularly teachers and parents, an unearned sense of entitlement, and the inability to show gratitude, especially to their parents who still financially support them. So parents, ask your doctor about Graduzine today and get your child back. Please note that senioritis will subside on its own, usually after graduation, and especially when combined with a harsh dose of reality. Side effects may include diarrhea, vomiting, weight loss, weight gain, and problems sleeping, which are all still better than senioritis. Welcome back. In our last episode, we talked about teacher burnout. And while we always joke in the opening of the podcast that we don't complain, we really complained a lot. Which, you know, is okay. Because if you're going to talk about teacher burnout, you have to acknowledge some of the more frustrating parts of the job. But with every problem that presents itself, hopefully a solution is close behind. So today, we're sort of doing a part two of the teacher burnout episode. So this time, we're going to talk about strategies that we've found to be helpful in reducing those effects. So Chad, what have you got for the first thing? I think it's important to feel okay about saying no to extra responsibilities. We've talked multiple times on this show about kind of the maybe unspoken pressures of really being committed to everything everything the school's trying to do and obviously being super committed to students and their success. But you have to be really aware of what you're putting yourself through that may be causing you to become burned out. And so being okay about saying no to an administrator or a colleague that, you know, I don't want to be part of this committee. I just don't think it's a good time for me right now. I'm really busy. Even if it's paid opportunities, those are really hard to say no to because it's hard to say no to that extra money. But in the long run, if it's something that's going to cause burnout, it's really something I think you need to consider and be okay with saying no and be okay with explaining to an administrator that, you know, it's just, it's just not, it's not healthy for me right now. Or it's really not something I want to be doing. That kind of goes with this next one. It's a little contradictory, but another way that you can do it is to try to get yourself a little bit more involved in the school or get less involved with school, whichever one keeps you more charged. Like I'm a fairly extroverted person. And so when I was asked somewhat recently for a pep assembly to go out and do a lip sync contest to the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, I was all in and it was super fun. <laughs> and it, it helped me connect with the school and feel a little bit more like it was a place where I belonged and that I remembered, oh yeah, this is really fun. Whereas a person who is more of an introvert, that would not be good. And being pressured into that wouldn't be good. So I think part of it is just knowing yourself and knowing what you 
bring to the table and being okay with sometimes putting yourself out there and other times knowing that it's just not going to be good for you at, the, at that very moment to, to take on an extra responsibility. You know, along those same lines, I was just talking to a, a colleague about there sure is a difference between attending some sort of school event just as a fan or as a uh, audience member and then being in charge at said event. I know for me, it's hard to, to go home at night and sometimes come back to watch a basketball game or to watch a play or to watch a, you know, to do, to be part of something like that. But anytime I ever attend something, I'm, I'm almost always really glad that I was a part of that. And it kind of recharges me. I think one of the nice things about going to those kinds of school events is that you get to see lots of different students outside of the classroom and you just form a different relationship with kids when you're able to talk to them, you know, more as like just people instead of the, like the power dynamic is different and they respect you being there and it can really recharge in that. Oh yeah. These kids are really fun instead of just, uh, I have to make them do a thing that they don't want to do, which can be, which can be frustrating. One story. And I was an administrator actually at that time I had a one-year-old and a, well, she was probably four and I went to a football game and I was just in the stands and a young man who I had been dealing with a lot on a lot of disciplinary issues sat right in front of me. He was so sweet to my kids. It was really cool because getting the chance to kind of see him in a totally different light gave me a lot of energy working with him in the, as we move forward. Another big thing that mattered for me when I was feeling burned out at Astoria High School, it was because I'd been doing kind of the same thing for a really long time and I didn't see any way to get out of it. And so leaving AHS helped me to kind of revitalize. And I don't think everybody has to leave what they're doing to make a big change. My dad, when he was teaching, he went from fifth and sixth grade, which he did for a good 10 to 12 years, maybe longer. And then he switched to third grade, which is totally different curriculum. And it made him rethink everything that he was doing and that re-energized him and made him go, okay, yeah, this is what I love about teaching. And I think sometimes that breaking of the old confines around you and trying something new can reinvigorate the joy that, that maybe you had when you started the job. You really may have to kind of say, I need to step out of my comfort zone here. I need to kind of force myself to try something new for that very reason. Like you kind of see the burnout coming or you're kind of aware that, man, if I keep down this path, I may not be doing this much longer. So I'm going to sacrifice a year or so of discomfort maybe with the hope that maybe I can kind of regain some of that energy. Yeah, it's not easy when you do that. That first year of something completely different is hard. But for me, at least, it was totally worth it. You know, the next thing, I think it's really important to have hobbies. Finding things that allow you to escape your job. You know, going out and making sure that you have something that you can do that is not work-related, that allows your brain to kind of get lost in something else. Yeah, for sure. Unfortunately, my only hobby really is this podcast. So stepping away from teaching is editing a thing about teaching. But, you know, it, that's, that's <laughs> some good advice there, Chad. In all seriousness, though, um, another big thing is to kind of recognize where negativity lies in your school and try to avoid it. One of the biggest places that, that you can find a lot of negative speech and behavior is in the lunchroom. And I know that we've talked about this before, that there are places where you, you know that you shouldn't go into these certain places because it's just going to get real negative real quick. In my school right now, it's one of my big goals whenever I notice that the conversation is starting to get negative is to try and change the subject to something that is silly or fun or inconsequential, which is probably why I talk about poop so much. <laughs> I think that that's a good strategy of if you can surround yourself with people who are in good moods and are having a good time, it really 
really bolsters your own mood. And if you are surrounding yourself with people who are really, really upset about everything and only find the negative in everything that we're doing and don't find anything funny, you will end up mirroring that same behavior. We obviously have negative thoughts about the things that we're doing or people we're working with or issues we're having with students. We made that clear last on our last episode. <laughs> but even though I'm aware of that and I, I try really hard to avoid the negativity, it is so easy to fall down that rabbit hole. And I don't think anyone's intentionally just trying to be, you know, um, what, what am I? Nobody is trying to steer the topic to make everybody depressed. It just it just kind of happens. It snowballs. And, and it kind of ends up being almost like a one-upsmanship. And, I, you know, I found myself going down that road before as well, and it can be so easy. So just be aware of it. And I think that's really good that you kind of have a strategy. You have like a, an alarm that goes off in your head that says, oh, I think this is where this is going. I'm just going to try to steer it in another direction. And I bet a lot of people maybe don't even realize it, but, but do appreciate that. But at the same time, sometimes you do need to vent. And sometimes you do need to have a sounding board of, I'm having this problem in my classroom. What could I do to make it better? And I think that the difference is when you're looking for solutions rather than just complaining. And I know that you can't find a solution for everything. And sometimes you just need some camaraderie. But at the same time, if you can say, okay, I'm struggling with this. What do you guys do? That is usually more productive. Vent, then look for something that help, that can help you get through it. One of the pitfalls to being an educator and having a family with children is you work with other people's children all day long. And sometimes it's really hard to have the energy to come home to your family and give them the attention that they deserve. And so just really learning and finding strategies to help you focus on your family and your personal life when you're not at work. That might mean if you got to stay a little bit longer to get a few more things done, or if you have to go in for an hour on the weekends when the kids are still in bed or something, but trying to find some strategies, whatever they are, or just getting away, going somewhere and making sure that you're with your family, but just being more present with those people and really being able to separate your, your work kids and your real kids uh, is a really important thing. And that's a big one for you and I, because we both have fairly young families. But for those people that either don't have families or are empty nesters that can feel a little bit like, well, I don't have any kids at home. But I think that just concentrating on your personal life a little bit and don't let your school life be your only life. Go out and find other folks that you can be around that don't talk school shop all the time. I know I've referenced the office before, but there's a point where Jim has a barbecue and a bunch of the guys are standing around in the kitchen and they're talking about paper products. And one of the characters is like, can we just have five minutes where we don't talk about paper? And then they all stand around not sure what to talk about. You want to make sure you have friends and other people outside of the teaching profession that you can kind of hang out with so that you can revitalize your, the other parts of yourself that's not just a teacher. This job can be very rewarding, but you got to look for the small things. Those big aha, like, oh my gosh, this is why I'm doing this moments, don't come every day. They come from time to time, but they're not just slapping you in the face every day, at least not for me. There are all these small victories and all these small, really rewarding things. And if you don't make yourself aware of them, or if you don't soak them in, they'll pass you by and you won't even realize it. And you know, there's sometimes I'm driving home and I think about something a kid said to me. I'm like, oh my gosh, they were thanking me for something I had done and I didn't really Really allow that to sink in. And so I, I guess my advice would be if you're looking for satisfaction in the job and if you feel like you're getting burnout, look a little harder. It's probably there. There's probably a lot of really great things that, that you are getting out of it as well as hopefully kids are getting from you and staff is getting from you. But the big ones don't come all the time. So, so really look for those small kind of daily rewards. One of the biggest things with those little daily rewards is to write them down. Our colleague Lynn Jackson is really good at this. He has a little journal and he keeps track of the stuff that happens. And I remember him doing this with the track seasons 
when he was a track coach and he would write down all the stuff that happened and then he could look back and remember all of the good things and it helped him through some of the more tough problems that he faces and he, he could look back and say, oh yeah, I remember facing this before, I'll get through it again and those kinds of little reminders can really be helpful. I have in my classroom something that I've dubbed the smile file which is full of notes and cards and expressions of gratitude from former students and colleagues and whatnot that whenever I'm feeling a little bit like, oh, why am I even doing this job? I can pull that file out and thumb through and remember all of the stuff that I have done in the past and it helps me remember why I love this job and why I enjoy all the things that I do. As you do that, as you recognize the things that other people are doing in the building, adding to their smile files with just, it doesn't have to be long, it doesn't have to be intense, it can be a short email, it could be something that you handwrite and put in their mailbox, but just some way of expressing your gratitude for the other people that you work with or sometimes the students that you're working with and letting them know how much you appreciate all that they do will make you feel good. If the more you give out of compliments and gratitude, the better you're going to end up feeling uh, about your job. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a great piece of advice. Hey, thanks. Anything else? I think that the big thing is just to remember that your job shouldn't be just about grinding through it, that we all deserve to enjoy our work. And if we work at that, then the rest of it will will come and be and be better for us. So much of what we do, and this can be said for all of our jobs, but it's so much about our frame of mind. And you know, there's some days where I get into work and I just have to kind of give myself a little pep talk. And it's like, hey, today's going to be a great day and we're going to make the most of it. And usually on those days, I, I find a way to do that. It's a pretty sweet job. And if you can find those highlights in it, then you know, you'll find after, after a long career that it's well worth it. And don't, don't ignore the really egregious things that can cause problems. Try to fix them as best as you can, but don't let yourself get bogged down by them. Well, I feel a lot better, actually, since we've explored some solutions rather than just kind of whining about all of our problems. <laughs> yeah, me too. Hey, what about you out there? Do you have any other thoughts about what you do to avoid burnout? Post about them on our Facebook page at School Pod. So now I need to go and, I don't know, find a hobby, I guess. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's edit this thing. I guess I need to go edit this thing now. So we're going to take a quick break. This week's episode of Schooled Ya is brought to you by Pencilmate. Ninth graders are distinctly irresponsible creatures. They forget binders, homework, due dates, projects, paper, everything. But the number one item students forget on a daily basis is their pencil. A large percentage of a teacher's salary and life is spent procuring pencils for their pupils. Until now, we at Pencilmate have teamed up with the good folks at the Roslam Institute, who cloned Molly the sheep back in the mid-90s and finally put that technology to good use, breeding pencils. By placing two pencils into our specially designed pencil cup, overnight your two pencils will multiply into 20 or more new number twos. Gone are the days of scouring the halls for old dropped pencils. With the Pencilmate breeding cup, you'll have more pencils than you can handle. Pencilmate, let's get it on. It is recommended you wash pencils before use. Hey, welcome back. Now it's time for our last and favorite segment of the show, Dad, Dad Chat. Chat. It's a time for us to brag about whatever is happening in our lives that's making us happy. Clint, have your children found the solution to world hunger yet? Yes. Oh, sweet. It's eating. <laughs> I don't know. I'm sorry. <laughs> but this time's Dad Chat. I've got a couple of pop culture recommendations, a couple of things that I've been consuming lately. The first one is, as we talked about before, I have a, had a resolution to read a book a month. And my February book that I finished was The Hate You Give by Angie Thomas. And I'm a little bit late to the Angie Thomas train. She just came out with 
with another book called On the Come Up. Both of them feature African-American protagonists dealing with the problems that besiege children today. It was a really interesting look into the lives of children and also the lives of particularly African-American children who definitely live a different life than I do. But a lot of the experiences that I read about in that book were reflected by things that I have seen in my students at Patrick Henry High School. And it was just really great to kind of get this other view of childhood and, and what maybe some of our kids are facing. And it made me see some different aspects of, of life in a different light that were positive and uplifting. And I, I just really enjoyed it. So if you like to read and you want to read some young adult fiction that might change the way you see the world, I highly recommend The Hate You Give by Angie Thomas. My other one is a TV show on Netflix that I'm enjoying with my children. It's a kid's show, so don't get too excited about it being dark and scary and full of twists and turns. But it's it's called Carmen San Diego. It's a new cartoon that is based on the old video game that I used to play on my Apple IIe. Where in the world is Carmen San Diego? But in this case, Carmen San Diego is the protagonist, and she is trying to foil the bad guys by leaving clues to where the organization that is stealing all the national monuments and whatnot, she's leaving clues to get them captured. And so she's kind of working from behind the scenes like a double agent. It's really well illustrated. It's got some good vocal talent. And it's just a fun show that I've really enjoyed watching with my family. Uh, we're only a couple episodes in, but it's really well put together. And I'm hoping that the season will continue to be good and that we might get a few seasons out of it because it's some fun entertainment. So that again is Carmen San Diego on Netflix. What do you got? You lived in Oregon and the North Coast for quite a while. And obviously, we joke a little bit on the show about the, the weather in the Pacific Northwest, which I think has a reputation nationwide as being pretty wet and rainy. Um, and dark and dreary. Yes. And to be totally honest with you here, I, usually right after Christmas, usually right at the beginning of January, I will print out a calendar that shows the sunrise and sunsets for the next three months just to start seeing a glimmer of hope because <laughs> quite often you go to work in the dark and you get home in the dark. For a good month, there's times where it'll be a Saturday morning and I'll, it'll be the first time I've like seen my backyard because it's just dark all the time. And then when you add the rain and everything else, it can get a little rough, which is why we are one week past uh, daylight savings here. And I can never remember when we are actually saving the daylight. All I know is is that I am always so excited when we get an extra hour of daylight in the evenings. And I feel like I can finally get outside. It also kind of combines with the weather improving. And, uh, you know, you were joking at the beginning of the show, but the flowers are starting to bloom. And it's just, there's a <laughs> sense that this dark, dreary world I'm living in is starting to brighten up a little bit. And so I'm just excited it's daylight savings. Now, I know that you have told me before you hated it. I love to sleep. Especially having... I love to sleep. Well, especially having the young kids because they wouldn't want to go to bed as early. And I do see that as an issue. But I'll tell you, I, it brings me joy to start seeing more daylight. And uh, yeah, I know you like to sleep, but whatever. No, I 100% I understand. I'm excited for the results of it as much as I hate the transition. Yeah. I, I too am excited to get a little bit more time where we can sit out on the porch right. and enjoy the sun and have the weather turn. It's been pretty rainy and dreary here in, in Virginia as well. So I'm looking forward to getting further into spring and getting a little bit more warmth in my life. Yeah, that sounds good. All right, and just like that, we are now at the end of the show. Have a question? Do you have any great suggestions?
suggestions for maintaining enjoyment with your job, we have an email address for that. Contact us at schooledyapodcast at gmail.com, or you can find us on Twitter and Facebook at schooledyapod. Follow me on Instagram at chatterboxes, or check out my website at chatterboxes.com. You can also find me on Twitter at Astoria. And don't forget about our website, schooljapod.com. The lovely intro and outro music you are enjoying was performed by Clint's talented wife, Nikki. And all our sponsors are fake. But our artwork is not. A special thank you to Corey Logan for our great cover design. Find him on Instagram at CoreyLoganArt. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe. And go ahead and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help other people find us. Have a great spring break, and we'll be back in two weeks with a brand new episode. Dude, we don't have spring break until <laughs> April. Thanks for rubbing it in, you jerk. Uh, quit whining. Hey, thanks everybody for listening. See you soon. You want to say that again? (laughs) I'm struggling. (laughs) It's been a long day. Uh.